Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, Earth, and with me are... Tori, they, them, Wind? <laughs> and Taran, he, him. You've got to pick an element, Taran. I've always been fire, unfortunately. Okay. I yeah. knew that. I just already knew that. I, I don't know. Should I be wind or heart? I always have a hard time deciding between the two. You're in art therapy. You have to be heart. Okay, heart. Tori, they, them, heart. <laughs> now, you may have noticed, everybody, there's only three of us. Uh, that's why the world is in such shit shape right now. I'm very sorry. Yeah, two of us are dead. It's a thing. Um, and apparently you just don't get replacements. That's That's also a thing. We'll get to it. Anyway... Thanks, you two, for joining me to talk about a rather long Captain Planet fanfiction today. I, like, I knew it was long going into it, and I was like, we've read long things before, we can do this. And, and I did, but it was a little long. Sure thing. Um, it actually ended up being one of the more enjoyable fanfiction I've... Wait, fanfictions? Fanfiction? Fanfic. Just fanfic. Fanfiqueries. <laughs> One of the more enjoyable fanficeries I've read in, in a while. Fanficopodes. Oh, good. Yeah, Taryn, I, I was thinking this when I was reading this. We talked about your fanfiction.net fanfic a long time ago, but have we had you on for another fanfiction.net fanfic? I think I've read one on fanfiction.net, but it may have been available elsewhere, but I don't remember okay. where. Because this is one of those where when you read it, you're like, this is part of the culture of fanfiction.net. Like, it's a fanfiction.net fanfic. It's not something that someone wrote and posted various places and threw up on fanfiction.net additionally. It's a product of fanfiction.net, you know? It's definitely got a whole community and a, a distinct desperation for feedback in every single chapter. Yeah. yeah. And of course, to anyone listening, Taran says that lovingly as someone who, as a teen, posted things on fanfiction.net with desperation for feedback in the exact same way. Oh, yes. Um, all about writing for the maybe 10 or 30 people who found my particular writing somehow palatable. Um, and responding to their individual comments at the start of each new chapter. It's yeah. Like, it's very endearing, you know? It's like, I love it as an old fanfiction person talking about old fanfiction. It's just such, such the specific community and culture. For me, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of like, like, I, I'm generally, I think, fairly immune to cringe. But for me, like, reading those comments at the beginning of the chapters of this fanfic sort of took me back to a time where I was not immune. And so um, I was going to say in the cold, harsh light of 2022, it's easy to be like, what is this author doing? They seem so thirsty, you know, for real. But, I mean, then you go, well, it's I mean, it actually just was the culture, right? It was just normal. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, and this is not this is not the cringiest author comments I've read by a long shot. Just, you know, to, to throw that out here. Even especially on fanfiction.net, but also just in general. Yeah, I I mean, I do think it's super neat that they sort of developed these fan author relationships with a select group of people who I think maybe some of them ended up actually like 
reading through, reviewing their fanfic as like like drafts of it before it went to press. Maybe so that I mean that's that's cool. It's relationship building. I like it. I'll tell you what at least one of them did, which was write about it on TV Tropes years and years later. It's got its own TV Tropes article. It's in the Captain Planet fanfic Rex. I'm pretty sure that's how it ended up on my list of things that we could read at some point. But before we delve into things like the name of the fanfic and what is in the fanfic too much, we should probably talk a little bit about Captain Planet and our relationship to that franchise. Um, I assume we all watched some Captain Planet as a kid. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots. Yeah. So my my mom is a huge environmentalist. She's an environmental law professor um, and she hates television. So we didn't we never we didn't have cable growing up, but we did have a TV and she let us watch Oregon Public Broadcasting, which I think is where I watched Captain Planet. But I, now it's everything is kind of fuzzy. Regardless, somehow I watched it and she she was fine with it, despite the supposed violence, because it was about helping the environment. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it because I mean, I, I don't know if I have rose tinted glasses uh, because I didn't get to watch much things until the age of like 14, but uh, because of a motto. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. wait, 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 that's no, no, scratch it, that reversing. Yeah, right? it's on my fault <laughs> that you didn't uh, get to watch things until 14. Uh, it seems to me, Tarin, that by the time I was giving you like anime and such, just your parents weren't paying attention anymore. That's got to have been what was happening, right? yeah they were no one was they, signing off on evangelion at age they, 14 they were distracted by things that um like y2k which is like a relic of that era because my dad was like trying to fix all the computers in preparation for the great melt anyway um so yeah i watched a lot of captain planet and uh i really like it but i don't remember all that much about like things that happened in it i know there was a monkey and I know that people who watched it uh, like to muse about the relative power level of the Ring of Heart, you know. But other than that, I, I sort of remembered the characterizations. Didn't really remember the names even um, before I read this fanfic. I've got to say, by the way, reading this fanfic, like once you put in this fanfic... At a certain point, the Planeteers have their rings and they're able to use them. And Matis seems like the only useful one. It's like, oh, I could control the wind. So what? Whereas Matis, like, I, oh, I can get a read on people. I can communicate across distances. Like, he can do, like, actual useful, like, PC level, like, you know, actual useful in a plan kind of things. I mean, that's fair, but everyone else has, like, basically superpowers. Like, you can shoot blasts of fire and, like, pick people up in, like, mini tornadoes. Like, that's not nothing. I get it. Know? It's just that's not things that they need to do hardly at all in this fanfic. It's like, I guess... Well, in this fanfic, no. Right. Like, this fanfic also has a very minimal appearance of Captain Planet. So, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all the powers associated with heart, um, which seem kind of vague, but the big ones seem to be, like, sort of telepathy and That's a great power <laughs> yeah is, yes. being able to communicate across distances like if you had an army for example and you couldn't communicate between the different soldiers that would be 
really, really bad, right? Compared to like if you had a bunch of shoulders, soldiers all with the power of fire, which I guess they kind of already have, like just firing randomly or with a preset plan, that, that would be pretty bad. I mean, Avatar The Last Airbender teaches me that an army of soldiers that can control fire is fine, but like not as good as any of the other elements. Well, true, actually. Well, in terms of our experience with Captain Planet, you both describe having watched a lot of it. I feel like I watched about as much Captain Planet as I've watched, say, James Bond Jr., which is to say enough that the theme song or a wrong version of it will live in my head forever but like no more so than anything else. And so I remember liking it fine, but it, it wasn't like a huge part of my childhood or anything. That makes sense, especially because the mm. theme song, it, like, I mean, if you have access to other media, I imagine, <laughs> I imagine there's lots of <laughs> solid alternatives, but the theme song oh. in particular is like, you kid, hey, you, you can be a superhero too. And it's like, sweet. The, the, oh, by the way, just Taran, in case you missed it in your childhood, it sounds like you did. The 90s American cartoon theme song game was on point. Like, <laughs> there were a lot of really good theme songs back then. That's too bad that it didn't continue, as far as I know. What do I know? I don't, I don't, yeah. Like, everyone remembers the theme. People don't generally remember the, um, the episodes, and I didn't remember any of the villains, but to be fair, this came out in, in 1990, which is the year I turned one. So, right. that being said, I did watch it a lot, but I, I would have been really, really young. Um, I mean, I, you know, I remember watching it, but I probably would have been four or five years old, right? So, not a lot sticks with me. I do know that Captain Planet is relatively episodic. Um... And it always has a message. I do remember this. And at the end of every episode, Captain Planet comes in and goes like, let's recycle, boys and girls. And that was so strong for me that I remember I, me and my friends, we took our, you know, uh, red wagon and painted this like save the earth sign and pulled it all over the neighborhood as if we were like protesting something. But all it said was save the planet. Like, mm. yeah, Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was I will, five. It's fine. But I, I will say, though, that the message at the end or the middle of the episode game in the 90s, like that meta was pretty strong, too, as far as I remember. Yeah, that was apparently all to do with Canadian broadcasting requirements. That's why we had Sailor Moon says also is just like you needed a certain number uh, of minutes of educational content and the the television, the cartoon producers were like, yeah, sure. Ed educational content. We'll get right on that. We'll stick it in the back. Apparently, Tori is a living example of how effective it is. So that's a good, I suppose that's a good sign. Well, yes and no, because I didn't know how to save the planet. Right. Mm. I, recycle, maybe. I don't think I even knew what recycling was. But I will say, um, I was reintroduced to Captain Planet in my second year of undergrad, I think, um, when I took... Um, it was like an environmental literature class. And we oh. read this awesome essay which critiqued Captain Planet because in Captain Planet, all of the villains are breaking the law. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So, And there were other critiques, but I always thought that I that stuck with me. You know, I was 19 at the time. I was like, whoa. Mm. Um, because, yeah, most of the time, 
all this pollution and all of the destruction of the environment is totally legal. Yeah. It's like reading How to Read Donald Duck and you're like, wait a minute, the like the capitalist underpinnings of Uncle Scrooge comics are actually really weird or, you know. Yeah, I, right. I, I totally understand the, the things you read in college and suddenly you start thinking about stuff. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that before, but um, I imagine if I watched today, I'd, especially with like the the law background, I'd be like, well, yeah, actually disposing all of that waste in that place, which everyone in, on the team thinks it's super terrible, that's probably very legal. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, even if it isn't, it wouldn't be legal in our reality, it's literally the fact that they never address all of the things that are done that are totally legal. You know what I mean? Well, just for, think for how... Sure. Just think how good it would be if there was like a Captain Planet two-parter where the eco-villains have a lawyer and, you know, Captain Planet's not allowed to go beat them up and they have to do some sort of like courtroom shenanigans. Um, just make it like a legal drama. That'd be awesome. I'd be... That sounds that sounds pretty good. Um, you say as an environmental lawyer, yes. But I mean, I agree, yeah. so. Um, we should probably move on to the fanfic, though. This fanfic is called Alternate Destination. It's by Miss Goldie, and it was posted on fanfiction.net in 2006, between February and December of that year. And I was a little worried when I was reaching the end. I was like, uh-oh, is this another unfinished one? Because it didn't seem like there was enough time to wrap it up. But no, it is actually finished. I wasn't wrong this time. It is, it's actually a completed work, clocking in at about 91,000 words. Can I ask a question? Um, is this a common fanfic.net thing? Um, that's her username, right? But mm -hmm. she signs off on all of her chapters as Sarah. Or um, maybe not all of them, but frequently signs off as Sarah. So like, what name should we use? Is it is that like a thing? I don't know. know. I'm just curious. I feel like I've seen it before on fanfiction.net for people to have a fanfiction.net username and then in their bio say their actual name. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't sound crazy. I was just mainly asking what we should call her. Um, I, I would have been wanting to be called Flareon, which was my username, and I, but I, but I never signed off with my actual name because even at the age of 14, that sounded like a bad idea. Um, in any case, I think this person would probably be amenable to either based on putting them both on there. That's actually a really excellent point. Um. All right, less I'd also, about fanfic net culture, more about actual fanfic. I'd also like to point out this is one of those times, as usual these days, where I've dropped the ball on contacting the author, but she's still writing fanfiction and has kind of continued to, apparently, um, over the years. And that includes Captain Planet fanfiction on and off, apparently. Like, not exclusively, but um, it looks like that's not a, a topic that the author has abandoned. That's, that's cool. Uh, that's cool, yeah. Or as the kids say, that's the drip. No, I I don't think that's what I I don't no, never mind. No, drip is your fashion. It's I know, fine. it's your outfit. Fine. You you can it's fine. You can be an old person. I get I'm also mentioning, by the way, the author's background here because um this is one of the earlier fanfics that the author has written, it looks like. And therefore um, you know, we'll try to be as kind as as we can be about any complaints we might have about it. 
that's the only reason. Otherwise, we would just be tearing authors apart. That's that's definitely what we do here is be cruel to authors, right? One of these days, we're going to have to get one of one of an author's final fanfics so we can really go to town. <laughs> well, I mean, we we occasionally pull out the title "Cutting Edge Fanfic Deep Cut," so True. it's just been a while since we did that. Also, um, all right. So, alternate destination. It is a post-series story, and it starts off actually some years after the end of, you know, if there is an end of Captain Planet, but like the the time period in which the Captain Planet cartoon takes place. Because even at the start of the fanfic, it seems like everybody's in kind of their early, early 20s kind of thing. Yeah, and this is important for a certain relationship reasons in my mind. That's legitimate, yeah. But I also want to call attention to the time frame being a little bit fuzzy because I thought they were all teens in original Captain Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the implication is that they've gone on Ben Planeteers for a bit longer. I think that's the idea. But also, in the first chapter, Wheeler, mm-hmm. the fire one, has an iPod. So right. we're we're kind of changing the setting i guess we're we're not saying that they aged from 1990 we're saying that they aged from 1998 or something i don't know what ipods came out well yeah that that makes it just kind of marvel time right that's how later than that that's how marvel comics work too is that like now is always about now and everything else happened before now and if it was originally happening during the vietnam war don't worry about it like Right. But then eventually they'll update it to like, oh, this actually happened. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one and more. So the, author was, the author was writing this around 2006. I assumed that this fanfic starts 2006-ish and we're just supposed to assume that the, ca- the Planeteer's adventures have happened, you know, pre that leading yeah. up to it. One more thing about the wonkiness of the timeline, though, is that like, Mati is like, not quite the same age as the rest he's mm-hmm. generally smaller and that hasn't been pointed out that i feel like that was not indicated to be distinct in the first chapter which is before a time jump so it's sort of it's like confusing for that reason because later on they point out like he's like way bigger than he used to be so well, but he might have just bulked up from yeah being his yeah. like fully grown size but still it's a little fuzzy <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it, it is a good point. I I do think it's it's generally fuzzy. Um, but I think we're also supposed to take that like Mati might have been okay. May, he might have been post pubescent at this point, but he wasn't like twenty five. You know, he wasn't like or actually, you know, we can get into the fuzziness of the timeline once we start talking about this because there's one point where they mention that Wheeler's twenty nine, and another point where they mention he's twenty six. So I'm just like, whatever. Is that right? Well, there will be a lot of talk about timelines for sure, but yeah. let's get into the main content. Let's do that. The main point is the planeteers have been together planeteering for some years, and that's just their life, basically. Like, they, no one seems to in- be indicating, like, that they want to be setting this aside. I mean, they're all pretty dedicated to their job, which is being low-key superheroes who summon a bigger-key superhero. Um, and, like, at the start of the fanfic, they're heading back to Hope Island. They've just returned from a mission. And we're with Linka, who's going to be our viewpoint character for most of the story. Um, yeah. Also, also, her hair has been turned 
green by weird chemicals that Sly Sledge and Hoggish Greedly were involved with. Um, and this is the color of her hair is a big enough plot point in this story that like I feel the need to mention this. So apparently it was like pure, they were using like pure chlorine to do some sort of like uh, disguising chemicals as it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> but I'm like, if you got doused in pure chlorine, I it wouldn't just turn your hair green, man. <laughs> Burn yeah. your skin off. But it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, th- that's a cute enough extrapolation and a very like Captain Planet thing to do. But yeah, she's sensitive also, about it. It says it was know, yeah. a combination of quick lime and chlorine. Bats of waste That's being mixed with quicklime and chlorine. Even worse. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So two notes about that. First, like, her hair, Linka's hair, <laughs> and her general appearance are very big themes in this fanfic, which I find, I guess I understand, like, she would be, like, like thinking about her classic blonde hair being green a lot. I don't know. But my mm. other, the other thing is, like, it becomes green due to this chlorine after an adventure with possibly the last sort of pollution crime in the fic, um, as far as I can tell. Like, they're referencing this adventure where they're, like, pretending that the waste is going to be treated, but it's not going to be. And, you know, <laughs> fair. Um, but I, I feel like the only other time we we have pollution nominally rather than the end of the world or whatever is when Linka herself kicks a can into a creek. Um, <laughs> and so I just pointing that out because, you know, like I said, like for me, this show was about like pollution fighting, <laughs> you know? So it was kind of, yeah, that being the reference that I remember. Yeah. Well, distinctly, the author's goal has a little bit, I think that they do a good job. They do a classic eco-villain plot, and then they go, here's the twist, and here's what we want to focus on. So what happens next is there's a giant storm, and I don't think we initially know the reason for the storm. No, it seems oddly, you know, strong. Like, they're not used to having that on Hope Island, and, um, you know, like, the air's charged with electricity like the rain's falling the wind is strong on and off and incidentally in the course of them kind of feeling this out and being like oh weird storm like what wonder if gaia's upset or what um uh, a major other interest of this author is banter and relationship dynamics between the planeteers yeah and this reads like the work of someone who has watched all of captain planet and knows these characters and the ways that they generally interact with each other, like the back of her hand. And yeah. also wants to expand on that, Yes, right? that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's very clear. And so she spends a lot of time and energy doing that kind of thing. It's like when they're flying back and Linka's hair is, you know, is like a weird color from chemicals. It's like there's a whole sequence where like Kwame asks how she's doing and is also flying the jet and like kind of focusing on that. Um, G offers to help her, like... Uh, clear it up with like lemon juice tomorrow because like they're friends and you know G's caring uh, Wheeler makes fun of her Mati is kind of a peacemaker and like also amused by his friends kinds of antics like all of these things are on display um, just in like that one short little scene and I, I don't know I, I feel like because I'm not going to be calling out every instance of 
you know, these kind of interactions between the planeteers. I just wanted to point it out early. Yeah, because it, it is uh, uh, the the dialogue being like very like familial, very um, these are friends, these are old friends, all of them is is an ongoing something we could note every chapter, but we well, well not every chapter because there's some chapters early on that <laughs> that's, that's right. not going to be the case, but whenever they're together, they engage in a, a fairly classic degree of banter, which which is nice. It's one of the things I like best about this fanfic, um, because also the author has the liberty to like take more time to do it, right? They're not limited to a Captain Planet episode, and similarly, they're not limited to the um, sort of moral didacticness of a Captain Planet episode and the sort of sanitized language. So they can actually make these characters feel a lot more real, which I really appreciate. I was just going to say, and along with the dialogue, like... They 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 engage in like some fairly childlike, you know, antics like jumping around in puddles and whatever that you would kind of expect from sort of carefree friends, you know, young young people um, mm-hmm. that I I remember being once, and so that's nice. <laughs> it is. It is. This author also has like a dark space. They want to take this and maybe a complicated space. And that's what happens next is during this storm, Linka dies. Yep. yep, the, yep. the Russian planeteer, by, or Soviet Union <laughs> planeteer. But Russian, the author has adapted their language. So she's the yes. Russian planeteer. Yeah, it's yeah. along with the sliding time frame. There's no Soviet Union no more. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, And she dies right at the end of the first chapter. So it's a cliffhanger. That's like, right. I, I want to read that last paragraph of chapter one. Linka slept soundly that night after, like, looking out at the storm and her friends kind of running in to take shelter from it again. She slept through the strange pulsating noise that was emanating through the walls. She slept through the sound of another elm tree being violently uprooted and sent flying by the gale force winds. She would therefore be unaware of the panic and confusion that eventuated immediately after the same tree brought the roof of her room down in one almighty crash some two hours after she fell asleep. So Linka's dead. Move on to chapter two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time to deal with it. <laughs> so, okay, the author does have a note that's like, it's not as all as it seems. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And you, Linka, probably wasn't dead. It actually, it's funny. It's like, it's a little spoilery, but I actually like the reassurance of like, <laughs> man, this isn't going to become like super dark fic, right? It's especially not going to be all since, about like everyone grieving all the time. Well, especially since chapter two is everybody grieving. Like their, yes, their military yeah. ally commander clash falls, you know, flies in like, their, their cruiser is wrecked and they kind of need help getting off of Hope Island. Guy has disappeared. And they're also like, uh, one of us is dead. It's not a good time. Um, they have to talk about what to do with her remains. Like, you yeah, know, they are dragged out. They casually yeah. mention that Linka's grandmother dies because Linka has died. And it's like, wow. And <laughs> Upon they, hearing the news. Yeah, yeah. And they don't know where her brother is. I is think so. Mishka, her brother. I don't know for sure. But yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's. Well, <laughs> and it's not drawn out. It's enough, you know, it's enough to convey that, like, this is a bad time and traumatizing everybody. But it's one of the shorter chapters in the story. And yeah. then it's the, at the end of that where the author says, OK, before you hex me into the next millennium, let me reassure you, all is not what it seems. Stay tuned for next chapter at Unexpected Developments. 
Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the message of someone who who has fans who are like, she's worried will will abandon her like almost <laughs> immediately. And by the way, one of the things being hammered home already by this point is like Wheeler was in love with Linka, vice versa, but she wasn't admitting it. Um, and so you know Wheeler flies away at the end of that. Um, leaving the only real family he had ever known and the only girl he had loved with a passion. And I don't, I've got zero investment in a Linka Wheeler relationship, but it seems to me reading this, Captain Planet fans probably had some investment in a Wheeler Linka relationship. That must have been like the most uh, sexual tension, romantic tension, whatever. If <laughs> yes, you can, all that sexual tension in, in Captain, Captain Planet, Planet. Yeah. whatever you want to use, but like, it, in that show, that must have been like the main vector of relationship interest by fans. I think it I think it might have been even more like blatantly written into the show as like we remember because I, I went and I looked at the wiki for the show and they have all of these examples of like the two of them flirting in that weird early 90s borderline negging way right right um which is still pretty common everywhere i mean uh, that got you in early pokemon Taran. yeah yeah um for sure and uh, welcome to the call out Taran show <laughs> and there's some episodes in captain planet i think where they're where it's like it's even like more explicit like they are going they are they do kiss like they they do like are indicated that they will get into a relationship so it's it's not like a fan pairing i don't think so much as a canon one but Mm. that doesn't in my mind make it me more invested in a heterosexual adolescent or i guess slightly post-adolescent pairing look they're the only two white people on the team there you go Oh, God. I'm sorry. (laughs) That sounds super negative, but it was 1990, man. Like, I think that was pretty deliberate. Actually, you know, I know we should talk further about the fanfic, but this just might be a good opportunity for me to get this off my chest. There's something that comes up a lot in this fic where Kwame is, is... Is that how you pronounce the name? Is Kwame? I think so. He's referred to as the African man very frequently. Okay. And Mati is referred to as the Indian. Yep. So Mati's from South America. First of all, he's not Indian. Oh, Um, I did not remember. I was like, that's an odd Indian name, but okay. No, he's from South America. Oh, geez. That's not um, at all correct then. Kwame is never, and G is referred to as the Asian Asian woman. Right. Now... It's not that Wheeler isn't referred to as the American mm-hmm. or the American man. Oh, no, or, way more often he's referred to as the Yankee. Yeah, frankly. that's well, because that, that's from Linka's perspective. That's a nickname. She Some other people him, call but, him that, too. But yeah, 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 yeah it's a thing. Um, and it's not like uh, Linka isn't referred to as the Russian. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, a large part of Russia is in Asia, and I don't remember exactly where she's from. Maybe the part is in Europe. But why is she not called the European? Or you know, it, it's it's something that's also common in Captain Planet because literally in the opening sequence, you get Gia, you get uh, G the the Asian, you get Kwame the African. Like 
people are more often referred to their continent of origin rather than their country, except for Wheeler and Linka, the two white people. Mm. So this author is taking total cues from the show. I don't even know if we know which country G or Kwame or Mati are from. I'm pulling up the Captain Planet wiki. It sounds like one of those things that the show was just not interested in specifying. And so the Captain Planet wiki for Kwame says... The name Kwame comes from the Akan tribe of West Africa, so Kwame is presumably a member of this tribe and was likely born in Ghana or the Ivory Coast. Like, yeah, it, they, they weren't going to tell you on Captain Planet these, you know. It's super random, too, because, like, the author just goes like, oh, yeah, and then he moved back to Cape Town or something. Like, they just pick a place in the entire uh, yeah. continent of Africa because he is the African man. For me, I just wanted to uh, specify that, but uh, the white people get countries, the everyone else gets continents, or in Mahi's case, the wrong country. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're referring to him as an Indian, as an indigenous person, but Mm, yeah, it's still just, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about this a lot with all of the, let's call them nicknames being thrown around, and I was like, would I be able to watch this show, like, not as a child now? Um, and I I've, I th- thought it was fascinating, though, because I also read on, on the wiki that each of the planeteers are supposedly based on specific environmentalists. Um, and I, I do vaguely remember, like, my mom being, like, super impressed just that they had people of color as protagonists in 1990 who were uh, not yeah. treated as yeah. like, who were, were treated as equally capable and whatnot. And like in, in retrospect, that's like completely horrifying. Um, but if I dwell on it for too long, I you won't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll right. be depressing. So uh, yeah, good note. Thanks story. Yeah, sorry for going on too much about that. I just feel like it w- I would be remiss not to mention it because like, and I think you're right, Taryn, Um, these things have, we've made a lot of progress and this is evidence of that progress that we are here and we can say this. So that's good. And mm-hmm. we can move on to talking about other things now. It's off my chest. <laughs> yeah. So what happens in chapter three is that Linka wakes up, right? And the island is destroyed and deserted, Hope Island, that is. It's like five years later. Uh, it comes out pretty soon that like she's uh, she's in that timeline where she died in that storm, but she is alive and it's time travel shenanigans like we don't have to, you know, bury the lead here. It's like alternate timeline Linka pulled forward into this timeline where Linka died. Um, and that's fine. And it's it's in a in ways it's a really interesting part of the fanfic and like you know since I'm not specifically interested in the characters of the planeteers which is not to say that one shouldn't be just that I don't care that much like being interested in a very interesting situation is a different way to do it and I do feel like there's a few plot holes around that I kept falling into but like what what happens is she doesn't know what's going on and she's like you know look, she's looking for guy a guy is not there and who does end up being there are a smattering of eco-villains led by, apparently there's an evil spirit as part of their rogues gallery, um, who's like yep. a former spirit of the earth. Uh, yep. Yeah, Zarm, is, he's an evil spirit. And, and to also clarify, like, Linka just wakes up like thinking she's still in the same time, right? She's right. like, what happened to everybody? 
Um, so it's very confusing for her. Eventually she finds, you know, she hears the eco-villains. She kind of recognizes their voices. It's not just Zarm. It's um, Dr. Blight and... Luton Plunder picks them up soon, Luton but... Um, I don't know. No, Luton Plunder comes later, but... Verminous... Verminous scum. There, scum. There's a lot of weird-ass names. It's basically but, all of the recurring villains, as, as far as I can tell, which is not as probably quite as as odd as it sounds, because from what I can recall, after these characters were introduced in the show, they would often team up in these fairly ins- inspirational, like, wow, these villains have great teamwork and aren't actually, like, butting heads as much as you would expect, you know? Yeah, I mean, apparently Dr. Blight makes them evil rings so they can summon Captain Pollution at one point. Oh, yeah. And I've got to say, by the way, about um, about Dr. Blight in particular... As the author comments go along, it becomes clear that there are Dr. Blight fans specifically asking for more Dr. Blight com- content. And when I when I was like, who's Dr. Blight? And I pulled up a a picture of her. I was like, oh, dang, she has the best character design out of all of these like yeah. eco villains. She's that's a really cool character design she's got there. She's got this crazy like all pink uh, jumpsuit, you know. She's got acid scarred, you know, two yeah. face style, half of a face, but it's covered by hair but most she, of the time. Like she Very almost stylish. never shows her face. Yeah. And she's got like one white streak in her hair. It's it's yeah. And heels like slight booted heels. It's so good. Then you look at verminous scum and you're like, no one's going to cosplay as you, man. That's not a cool enough outfit. It's true that they're not uh, cool. But like, I do think that most of the villains look like sir- like for what I think of as a kids show, like kind of surprisingly scary. <laughs> like, um, I would I was intimidated by like what was it like Duke Nukem knockoff like dude. Yeah, and- Duke Nukem is the thing from Marvel Comics in a Hawaiian shirt. Apparently, um, mm-hmm. that's fine. I guess that is extremely accurate. Um. But yeah, this this period where it's basically Linka and a bunch of villains on an island that's been destroyed, I think is probably the most interesting situation in in mm-hmm. the fanfic. Um, and, uh, and and the authors, I think, does a really good job establishing like that we're going to get to know Linka's like emotions from her perspective, like very strongly, like she's reacting to everything around her. She's like accidentally hurting herself in various ways, but in like very relatable ways, it's not entirely relatable that she doesn't really understand that the complex of of, like hope Island has been destroyed until she like searching through the rubble, wondering like, what could this be in this place that I was, I was just at that I should recognize. But, um, but yeah, otherwise it's like, I feel like it's a very strong introduction to, okay, yeah, this is our main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, um, Linka is strong, but overwhelmed. And I think that's, that's a very clear character quality of hers is that she perseveres really well. So she is in this crazy situation and she has to figure out a lot of things but she does and eventually uh Luton Plunder comes to pick up the eco villains and she's just like shit I just gotta sneak onto their ship that's the only mm-hmm. thing I can do right because that's the only way off right, right. she has so no way of contacting anyone and well she she did go back to the house and realize like it was destroyed no one was there and she doesn't really understand what's happening but she just has to make it through so yeah 
And there's the like there's a da 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 moment of like her overhearing the fact that she's supposed to be dead from mm. some of the ego villains, which is when she right, like pieces right. that together. We haven't mentioned she doesn't have her ring. So like right. she Oh yeah. No- normally she has like wind powers, but she doesn't have a ring. I don't think the author has explained to anyone where the ring is, which Not is for actually, a long time. It doesn't yeah. It was a burning question in my mind because it seems very relevant. I was like, wait, where's her ring? Yeah, no, it actually, was, yeah. I, I think that's an incredibly strong uh, thing about the writing in this and is that there are a lot of questions that I had, like, um, like the author introduces the fact that Gaia is, was, was not around for the storm and everyone's like feeling betrayed by it. And then we get Gaia's perspective directly. Who's like, why is this shit happening? I don't even know what's happening. And it's like <laughs> teased, like, oh, Gaia's gone, and then people are blaming Gaia, and then we get Gaia, and it's like, that is very satisfying. Uh, mm-hmm. Gaia, Gaia's bringing, brought Linka back, um, and and we know why, um, but there are a bunch of other like threads, like, eventually Wheeler's hair, but like, the, the, the author is just, especially with, especially with the ring, like you said, like, like for you, Amato, like, the fact that Linka doesn't have her ring and what that means for the rest of the Planeteers, who, as like I think we've been told directly by the author, she's been gone now for a long time. What does that mean for Captain Planet? You know, we don't know, but we will know. Right. I would have been annoyed if we didn't. To be fair, yeah, it, it takes a while for the author to build this, but I think they build it well. And a lot of this initial stuff is just Linka having to survive on it's several chapters. I think it's up through chapter seven that she's just trying to get by on this freaking cruise ship that's been taken over by eco-villains. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. So a bunch of eco-villains were brought by Zarm into the f- the future. Uh, kind of like, it seems like the storm that killed Linka was, all, was almost like part of that. It seems like we're part of that like transition process. But in any case, the plan was kill a planeteer go to the future and meet up with a few eco-villains who have not been brought to from the past and the future. Luden Plunder's one of them. He's just been, like, building up his his monies. And Dr. Blight's another. Apparently, the reason they're in the future is because future Dr. Blight has developed the technology that will be required to do shenanigans with the rings once they retrieve the rings. Is that right? But I don't understand why the time travel was necessary. You could have just, like, hung out for a few years. And then done it then. A good point in which to bring up that a lot of the meta plot like doesn't actually hang together. Very it doesn't well. really make sense. Um, I think the author was more interested in Linka's emotions, her relationship with Wheeler, and also like how everyone would interact during this four-year time jump that Linka's experienced, that everyone's experienced mostly, except Luton Plunder who had to stay behind and build some sort of ship armada which didn't actually work out well what what was he doing i don't even know I, it's very weird because I, another just to pick them up right well like look, he was just their ride he, he mentions having like done some kind of investments in the intervening time but the ship he picks them up with is a um is a commandeered one they have it's like a whole cruise yeah. ship they have captives and i didn't understand why this was remotely necessary he could have just chartered a private boat been like we're going to cope island 
picking up some eco-villains. Then we're going to the Philippines. fucking bought a boat. He's really rich. He's That's plunder. his whole thing. I know. Like, uh, whatever. He also later he takes a public, a public international flight because apparently he doesn't have his own plane. I, I mean, I, I guess planes are expensive, but uh, I don't know. Lou um, Plunder made some very poor stock choices um, in this intervening five years. The real reason is that without the planeteers having access to their powers, which we'll discover later, like there's no explanation for why these villains wouldn't take over the world unless they were brought to the future, at least as right, far as I right. can tell. No, th- there really isn't. And like, it- it's weird. And so it's weird. But the point is, he picks them up on a ship. On the ship, they also are storing an evil spirit from the netherworld in the basement. That's not clear at first. Linka has to uncover this. But, you know, she she figures it out eventually. Actually, most of the time on the ship, she's lying low, pretending that she was just a passenger who no one noticed before, which is fine. Like, no one thinks she's supposed to be alive. No one's looking for Linka. Like, so it's not like... But 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 she's kind of... It's kind of an interesting dynamic because the, the eco-villains and their minions that have taken over the ship, they're all over the ship. They're, like, eating at the buffet. They're, like, around... And so she keeps like, you know, bumping into or like brushing past or like seeing them out and she's kind of trying to monitor what's going on. And eventually she has to hook up with some random NPCs to kind of like get <laughs> filled in on what's been True. going in the intervening years. I thought this whole story was going to kind of focus on Linka and these new characters, but it's not the case. Once they've delivered some exposition to Linka and then, you know, done maybe a little bit more, they're kind of out of the story. Actually, something I really liked, though, is that like characters just sort of jump in. Mm-hmm. They're still well characterized and they feel like real people, but like they they don't have to stick around for the story. But it's nice that they're well characterized, right? Sure. I would like to think that these characters are a way to like sort of connect back to the source material because there's always some NPCs, so to speak, who mm-hmm. are given some background and come into the planeteers lives the more cynical side of me thinks that these might have been self-inserts like of the of the author's friends or something because i think the author is also from oceania um in any case uh i did not expect linka to go die hard for like four (laughs) chapters um so there's this thing right where like she gets on the ship by like in a lifeboat and somehow remains there for days without food or water. Um, anyway, sorry, go ahead, Tarrant. That's all I got. It's like she's basically sneaking around, like getting information. And, and and I don't think that the it's just not similar to the rest of the fanfic, but it's also not similar to the source material as far as I know. It's just it was very interesting. It just wasn't going where I was expecting. No, but I feel like this author like probably wrote this sort of procedurally yeah. like they or you know like step by step I yeah. mean like they didn't necessarily they might have had an idea of their overarching plot but they were kind of writing chapter by chapter and they didn't know you this, know who was going to remain in the st- it, it, you know what I mean right? this, this 100% is a story that the author was writing chapter by chapter and that's why some of the plot threads go somewhere in a very satisfying way and some of them don't go somewhere in any satisfying way and it's just some things got lost in the process. It also reminds me of like a Dungeons and Dragons game where you get distracted figuring out why they're like wh- why that particular cow doesn't like you, you know, and you're like end up being involved in local town politics, and it's just like okay, eventually we have to get back to the actual like campaign here. 
by the way, um, so so yeah, she meets up with some characters. I don't recall their names. It actually comes out that she's Linka eventually, but obviously they're in support of that. And during, but during kind of the info dump about like what's been happening, what they know has happened to the other planeteers and such, it struck me just how bizarre the world of Captain Planet is, where these five were public figures as planeteers. Like everyone knows that there's five teenagers with attitude running around with elemental powers that can summon an eco hero at will. That's just common knowledge. Like the fact that they were fighting this like, you know, rogues gallery of eco villains. It's like that was in the news. And so when she when she's talking with these people and they're like, yeah, it's weird how Captain Planet hasn't been around for the past five years. I mean, I guess since like that one died or whatever, like and I, I don't know. It's just like what a weird world to live in. They're the only superheroes or they yeah. were. They, they, they talk about Gaia. They're like Gaia disappeared. Oh, you know, Gaia, the spirit of the earth who was around for a while and then she disappeared. Yeah, I was I was struck by the fact that they were international celebrities myself. Um, but I, like like you just said, the only superheroes. It reminds me of what Marvel's kind of had to do in the MCU. Is like, oh yeah, everyone knows about Captain America and Thor yeah. and whatever they've saved the world. Um, so yeah, I guess it's common knowledge for them. Uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't have enough memory of like the ins and outs of Captain Planet, but I assume that the author, I, I know that the author built this world up very well based on a limited amount of information. I don't know how much is from the source, but well, it's I a, still think they did a great job with that. It's a fair extrapolation because I remember at no point the planet here is trying to hide anything about themselves or right, what they're doing. Right. They, they don't have secret identities. They're not like, you know, trying to stay low-key or anything and at, like a certain point we meet wheeler's mother and you have to assume that she knows that he's been a planetary it's like whoa wait their whole like their parents knew this even when they were kids like especially mati who was like what 12 <laughs> um it's okay he was know. supervised by a monkey yeah well maybe he didn't have parents i don't actually remember his his story but but eventually eventually the first third of the fanfic um mm. she does get off the cruise ship because it turns out that she's the, the, the cruise ship is going to find is it g or g i i can't remember and it, i don't i don't not, know anyway I'm sorry oh my god let's say, I, think let's say g. G. I think it's g yeah okay um goes to find g and i actually enjoyed the reason why they're going to find g which is like we don't know where the freaking last ring is we have to we have to like bait um like whoever has that ring into coming to us, I guess. No, they can't. They don't know where Wheeler is. I yeah. forget. Well, both. Uh, yeah. I mean, they don't both, know where Wheeler is or the or the yeah, other ring. Basically, these villains are lacking sort of the omniscient information gathering that it seems like they should have with all of their resources. But yeah, they need they need all of the rings or all of the planeteers in one place. So they're heading to the Philippines, and they get there, and that's when. Linka manages to get off the boat to try to go find them and warn them. But the way she gets off the boat with this information is actually very poignant for this first part of the book. There's one of this one of the eco villain sidekicks. Now, what what's his name? Rigger. Rigger. Okay, and oh. Rigger's the sidekick to. Forgot about that guy. I think to um, Hoggish Greedly. Hoggish Greedly. Okay. Man, yes. Thank they you. They really got all the eco villains in here. I just gotta say. Okay. Now, Rigger apparently is much abused and um, at one and like 
the the villain dynamics is another thing the author's interested in. And at one point, Hoggish Greedley just kind of like beats up Rigor for some reason, like gets angry. Rigor, Rigor's in the in the like infirmary. And so the original plan is for like Linka to go and kind of like spy on him or like try to interrogate him or something. I forget. He's at first unconscious, but then he wakes up and he ends up cooperating with her. And there's this whole, even though we haven't like really been deep in the villains here, there's this really poignant like whole sequence where he explains like the, he's he's the rigor from the past. He got brought into this future with the other eco villains. At one point, they were teasing him. It's like like they, like they looked him up. They're like, oh, looks like you got you're like you're working for some trucking business and you're and like you're married, rigor, rigor, ha ha ha, whatever. And he was like, oh, that 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 kind of opened his eyes where he's like, I could have had a life where I'm not an eco villain sidekick. Like I could have. He could have been somebody, not not like a glamorous, you know, life of dominating the world, but like he could have actually like, and he was supposed to if he hadn't gone forward in the future with the other eco villains here. That's the life, the course his life was supposed to take. And that's kind of the, you know, the, fa- the heel face turn that he has where he's like, look, I'll tell you everything I know about like, you know, the other's plans. You help me get off the boat and like, I'm going to, I'm going to jet. I'm done with these jackasses. And well, I was like, that's that, that's the most interesting thing that was done with the fact that the eco-villains time travel for the whole series. He's, the also whole gonna, he's also gonna die. Because, like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, from they're not giving him adequate medical attention, and he's he's dying because, like, in, on the third chapter, Hoggish, like, fell on his chest. Like, which sucks. Um, yeah, but, like, that basically means that he he was this like low rent sort of you know uh how do you call it like man for hire um and like amato said he just went heck i i could have a real life like what the heck am i doing he's constantly demeaned he's called the redneck etc so um yeah he helps them get off the boat mm-hmm. and yeah. then they get actually is that immediately they get into the philippines yeah pretty much and, and get to g um which by the way i appreciate that even though the author frequently just calls her the asian woman which is like asia is a thing. very big continent y'all um g actually gets a, an an origin that she's from the philippines right so she went back there and is that correct, or did she just move there? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I don't know if Captain Plant was any more interested in specifying where she was from than it was in specifying where, like, Kwame was from, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm according yeah. to the fanfic, is right, what right, I mean. Right. It sort of seemed like she went back to her country of origin, but, like, who knows? Um, yeah. She... And so that's kind of Linka's next move, is to find her, because she realizes through rigor... That that's the reason they were going there. Yeah, they're intending to gather the rings, do something with them to empower an evil spirit, which is just in a throwaway description. Um, what's his name? The main evil spirit guy? Zarm. Zarm. He has a Balrog, like in a box at the bottom of the, you know, Random. of the ship. Yeah. That's the thing that he's intending to empower. Um, apparently there's evil spirits around, and this is like a, something from the netherworld that like they're going to just make it an even more powerful servant that can sustain itself in this world or whatever without devouring too many souls and, you know, that kind of thing. Take over the world. Profit at some point in that, I assume. Um, yeah. But, and, and I've got to say, 
in general, we visit a few countries. The author is not great at um, illustrating the character of the places that are visited too much. It's like, it feels like a lot of attempts to kind of like describe a place you've never been. And it's just not the focus of the fanfic in general either. But like, it's functional. Yeah, but like, it's funny because it's like, no, we don't all have the ability to visit all the places that we want to describe. Right. You know, sure, you're sure. talking about Captain Planet. These people are all from different continents, or at least. Well, I don't know. Maybe Linka and G are from the same. No, wait. She's from... Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, But nonetheless, like, don't have to describe it especially when that's not your focus like and, and it's not yeah it's like they sort of like she sort of tried to describe it and didn't really pull it off i guess anyway moving on i think that the writing really increases with the reunion though um, mm-hmm. well and in terms of reunions on the way to g g g she runs into gaia which is a bit of a shock and gaia is ancient she's like the kind of just about like could die at any moment, skin and bones, extremely aged. And the Gaia gives the, the the reason that it's because she messed with time. And if Zarm does that, it's okay. But if the spirit of Earth does it, then blah, 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 she gets stripped of her powers and she's been trying to survive long enough to meet up with, you know. Yes, that was driving me up a freaking wall. I was like, why? Sorry. <laughs> well, I guess whoever's in charge of enforcing this stuff has authority over Gaia because the spirit of the Earth is a is a title that is bestowed upon different spirits that's established. Uh, and they just can't do anything about Zarm because he won't show up for his trial, I guess. Yeah, actually, it just occurred to me, this is one of those common things where it's like, rules don't apply to evil, but they yeah. apply to good, right? Because good people follow the rules, which I don't necessarily agree with as a premise, but it is a common fiction premise. But yeah, it is very clear that Zarm was able to man- like manipulate I don't know if we made this completely clear. He manipulated time in order to kill Linka, which he was like, when Gaia manipulated time in order to revive Linka, she was basically made mortal and is on her deathbed because she's thousands of years old. As far as I know, Zarm was in canon a previous spirit of earth that's so you would mm-hmm. you would like wonder well maybe he messed with time and that's what like got him kicked out okay but he didn't die in like an aged body or anything yeah so, so, yeah. so could it he be that guy is choosing to die instead of becoming a malevolent time destroying force or something i don't know I, I don't know but the only thing by the way in terms of like not really understanding the need for the time travel uh, implicitly, it's not it's not heavily emphasized, but at least part of what this seems to have done is made it so Gaia couldn't see this coming, because apparently Gaia could normally would normally probably be able to like see significant events in the future. And this, she's just like, what the hell is happening? Oh, Link is dead. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. and like, look, the main thing that bothers me about this whole premise is that apparently Zar manipulated things to make Linka die. Gaia's just trying to set them right. She's not the one messing with the timeline. Zarm is. But it's fine. We can move on from that. Oh, but but can we? Well. (laughs) So it's with the Planeteer reunion that kind of the second stage of the fanfic starts. And we're going to have to skim over a lot of it because there's a lot of dialogue and feelings and characters being in, you know, emotional arcs and less significant things that happen. But 
you know, Gaia has been waiting around, hanging on to this mortal coil after being banished from the spirit realm in her position for like five years. And she gets to deliver her exposition, which is basically she pulled... Does she even explain... It's like, this is Linka from an alternate timeline, because in this one she died, right? But she can't stay here because of time travel rules. She's going to have to, like, leave this timeline eventually. And she's like, you know, go call Captain Planet. Captain Planet will be able to help you out. That is a lie, by the way. Captain Planet will not be able to help them with this. Um, Captain Spoilers Planet doesn't know what's going on either. I know. <laughs> I was just expecting more Captain Planet action. Um, There's, there's very little, yeah. Very little Captain Planet in this... <laughs> Uh, fic about Captain Planet. There's basically no Captain Planet action, also. Just the Planeteers, basically. So, yeah, and, and like, basically, they're at G's place, um, and there's, like, a wonderful reunion where G uh, and Linka hook back up because they're, like, best friends, and She's Mati like, oh my happens God, you're to be alive. visiting at the time too. Mati happens to be visiting G, which and... saves us some time narratively. Mm -hmm. um, and and Mati has bulked up as we mentioned before. That is my favorite thing about this fanfic is that just future Mati as like a mid twenties person, he's like just a brick. Like he's described as like just being this big muscly guy. He's got the same personality and like he's still super genial and and like I went back and took a pic a look at Mati, you know, like in the original animated series and i was like you know he's a kid but you can tell he's like a toned kid like he's kind of got you know some slim muscle going on um he keeps in shape clearly yeah he does and a lot of stuff in in the wilderness which takes physical endurance and strength and stuff and it's great and like it's in no way important but they do they do you know make a point of saying like okay Mati's muscular and he's actually quite hot now and he gets lots of play <laughs> And he's still a good guy. I had a mm -hmm. very brief moment where they're talking about Linka and Mati's reactions to one another. And I was like, oh my god, is this the whole purpose for this time skip? They're going to get Mati and Linka together? That does no. not end up happening. <laughs> it does at not. All. Of course not. I mean, I think you get fairly early on that the author's intention is to get Wheeler and Linka oh, together. Oh, no, it's very clear. And that is their main intention, let's be clear. Like, all of the other plot, it is windy, twisty, weird, and we could talk a lot about it, and maybe we will, and maybe we won't, but the main thing is that Wheeler and Linka get together. Sorry, spoiler. I will say, so the first third of the fic is a lot about just Linka, and then the second third is all about, like, Linka's relationship with, like, mostly Guy, and like um, getting in touch with the other planeteers. And then the last third will be about Link and Wheeler almost exclusively. Um, and I disliked that. Like, I disliked that it was like just strictly like seemed like there so were these divided. sections. Yeah, divided like that. Well, for that second section, it's, you know, the things happen which you would expect with these dynamics, which is that the older planeteers are delighted to see Linka, their dead friend. Like, amazing, no one expected this. But there's also this thing going on where they're at a completely different point in their lives than they were when Lincoln knew them yesterday. Well, okay, not yesterday. It's been some weeks. A few weeks ago, right? And so, like, you know, she's married. She has a kid. They have to kind of send her husband and kid off, like, to some other family to, like, lay low while they're going to be off doing planeteering things. And so there's a kind of a difficulty. Like, Linka feels out of place, which she literally is. And, like, in some ways, it's kind of hard for her to, like, connect with her friends the way that she used to, which is completely natural. Also, the monkey's dead, so that's sad, but just natural monkey old age. Yeah, I, th I think it's actually, 
fairly well done, fairly tastefully done. Like mm-hmm. the first interaction between Link, Linka, and uh, G is like just one of the best pieces of of writing I think in the fic. It's like really, really heartfelt. Um, and it's just like wow, yeah, I can totally imagine that being an actual reaction to your dead friend being suddenly there, and then that that confusion about like okay, but she was dead. Like, how are we going to deal with one introducing that fact to everyone else? And like, eventually they have to cope with the fact that Gaia has told Linka that she's not going to stay, which they fear like means she's just going to die again. Like she, she, she may just Mm -hmm. go back to the afterlife and, and G has to figure out her own feelings to that. Linka has to grapple with that. It's rough. And it's, I think it's well done. Yeah, um, you know, something that you said is like this this kind of um, whole relationship dynamic of like realizing their dead friend is alive. I thought something that the author did well is that because the planeteers in this narrative are in the public eye, it is, a lot of strangers enter in and out of this narrative and they recognize Linka like maybe not immediately, but like if she's standing next to time, other planeteers, right? it's not hard. Right, but like, so she changes her hair to, to like a brown short haircut. It's fine. She doesn't want to be recognized. But like a lot of people she meets will be like, oh, you look, you are Linka, including Wheeler's mom, who she meets later. But the planeteers themselves, they most of them actually have to take a moment. And I, I realize that's because they saw her die and because they're so close to her. I thought that was a like a nice little touch, a nice detail mm-hmm. that it takes them longer to recognize her because she's so important to them, right? Now, a lot of the emotional stuff going on takes place kind of during travel. They have to get out of there. They're being pursued by eco-villains. The rings did not work while, um, like none of them worked at all while uh, Linka was dead. But apparently now that she's undead or alternate timeline Link is around or whatever, Apparently they work again now. So like Mati's able to send a message to others being like, hey, meet us in New York in like, you know, X days at the Empire State Building. Uh, things are going down. We have an eco-emergency. He gets to use the phrase. It's great. Yeah. And G has to leave her husband and a small child. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty affecting, you know, this sort of dramatic emergency. I think we alluded to this too, but um, one of the through lines of dialogue as as Linka is like trying to figure out what's been going on as she's been gone for all these years is that no one knows where Wheeler is. Like, yeah, Wheeler just, just jetted. He, mm. he, yeah, he's he disappeared. Right, right. Um, and that that his whole story becomes very important. But um, sort of the next phase of the of the fanfic, the last third kind of starts off with with them getting to New York City, which is a fine place to meet up because that's where Wheeler's from um, Brooklyn, I guess. Um, and we're not gonna. I'm not gonna go into all the things that this person gets wrong about New York City, um, but <laughs> uh, as a as a resident, but uh, I I enjoy like so Mati and Linka's reaction to or sorry Mati and Guy's reaction or G's reaction to Linka is like just super like emotional, but like in a positive way. And I was kind of worried that, um, that would be, it would be the same for all of the planeteers because it just didn't seem super realistic and it's not, um, because yeah, yeah. they eventually make it to New York. 
after, like I said, a lot of travel, being on airplanes, stealing the eco-villain's passports, which should not be a... That should not be what how the, the eco-villains, like, they're also public personas, right? Whatever. But, like, they managed to, like, redirect them, do some trickery to send most of them to Norway, steal their passports to slow them down in the airport. The gar Marm, Jarm, what's his name? Zarm. Zarm doesn't send some or whatever. It's all, it's all fine. But they make it to New York and they meet up with Kwame first. And, yeah, he has the other understandable reaction, which is, what trickery is this? Like, who is trying to pull this? It's in terrible taste. Who are you? This like, is the accurate, I, this is the correct reaction, even though he gets a lot of shit for it. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's like, look, people have disguised themselves to trick us before. Like, this is the more, that's the more logical thing than our friend is back from the dead. He also points out that, like, in his culture, like, spirits, and and like, maybe this isn't accurate because they all here doesn't have a good... Because what's his culture anyway? Yeah, but, I know, you know, I know. But, like, at, at least it's an explanation. I don't that spirits of the dead coming back is not a good sign. That, that, that's right? that's bad so, news. Like yeah. evil spirits come back from the dead to trick you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but actually, obviously, I, I actually think this is an important point to to mention something that's been fairly common, but we haven't commented on, which is that the planeteers are are careful with telling each other, including Linka, about things that they don't think each other will want to hear, like. <laughs> like they don't tell Linka about her grandmother and mm. mother dying like on purpose. They don't yeah. tell Kwame that uh, <laughs> they're bringing Linka to dinner. And so his like <laughs> scream like what the hell is going on reaction. Also, yeah, they like put them in a public place to be like, hi, here's your dead friend. Like what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. It feels like a little bit of like kind of just drama baiting. Where it's like, oh, because they kind of set Kwame up to have that reaction, they didn't warn him, like, okay, there's a thing. You know, they didn't say, didn't say anything about that. Because of that, like, she gets to run off feeling, you know, rejected or like she doesn't fit in in this timeline. And, you know, like, things get to be drawn out a bit more there. To clarify, though, like, Linka already knows. She already has the information that she's going to have to leave this timeline. Like... Right. Whether that means death or moving to a different timeline, she knows this because Gaia told her. I was also, like, Gaia turned into a pile of dust. I don't know if we mentioned that. I was sure for most of the story that in the end, Linka would become the new spirit of the Earth, and that would like solve the problem of her like not being a human in yes. this timeline. Same. I felt this. I, yes, I was like, yes. that's got to be where this is going. It's not where this went. It's super weird that it didn't, though, right? Anyway, I, I think so. <laughs> um, anyway... Yeah, and then because she run off, ran off, that's when Wheeler shows up and he gets gets to be like, let's go find Linka. I'm a, I'm an American New York badass guy. Yeah, he suddenly shows up. Linka runs off into Central Park alone, which is apparently like, I get it. Like, she's a woman. She is attacked. Wheeler saves Immediate, her. Immediate, slightly sexual peril. Like, you know, yeah. ring, fire ring. And but it he, goes has the, down he has the fire ring and he used the fire powers. So I like this better than, like, man saves woman because he actually has powers and she doesn't have a ring. So fine. Who does have her ring is Wheeler. <laughs> that, he mm -hmm. took it off her corpse and then jetted and then dipped. And so that's why it wasn't anywhere to be found. Which is a little strange, but I appreciated how long the author like teased teased that out. I will say. Okay. Also, I one one New York City thing. Central Park's not have some sort of giant 
wall around it so that you need to go through an eastern gate in order to get into it. And Strawberry Fields Garden is not on the east side of the park. That's it. I, I oh, stopped. oh, yeah. No, I have. Right, Look, to be fair, you two do not know what eco-emergencies went down in these past five years that Captain Plan was not around to help with. And except, maybe, maybe there's a wall around the park. Except there are no villains. Now. There are no villains that might cause these terrible eco-disasters. Except apparently there are because Rigger had a alternate timeline version, even though he came back from the past into this time into this future. He had another version that could marry someone. So I don't know. Amato, if you start talking about the time travel shenanigans, I'm going to just explode. So. Okay. So the point is, there's chapters and chapters of this fanfic, which is. Linka and Wheeler developing their relationship while the author tries to find reasons to not summon Captain Planet yet. Because we've got all five Planeteers, which means we've got all five rings, which means they can just summon Captain Planet anytime. I know. Just to check in. I mean, look, even if there's no other, even if there's no other emergency, eco-emergency, at one point, someone's like, well, there's no immediate eco-emergency yet. Maybe we should wait. It's like, look, you have your dead friend from the past. Gaia told you she can't stick around forever, and she told you Captain Planet can help with that. So, like, maybe just summon Captain Planet, guys. Like, maybe just do it. I have a, I have a lawyer uh, sort of uh, parallel to this, which is that in generally, like, when this, like, when the Supreme Court, when the judicial branch of, of the American government steps in to like review whether law is like good, they need a very specific case as an example. And so in the fanfic, they're like, at least Wheeler, I think, is like, we can't just summon Captain Planet. We need something specific for him to do. Something it's actionable. Like, yeah. It's like, huh. Okay, Wheeler, let's wait until everything's completely mm-hmm. terrible. That makes well, sense. Well, the thing is, he needs to wait to summon Captain Planet until the next president comes in so that, you know, the will of the people is accurately reflected. Yeah, give, give the rings to specific, like, the heads of each, of each legislative thought. Anyway, good, good uh, follow-up, Amato. Um, thank you. That was topical, horrible U.S. politics humor. Let, um, let's, talk, let's talk about Wheeler, though, real quick. Like, Okay. Oh so, yeah, good Wheeler. point. He's, he's got a whole thing that's happened to him in this time that like Linka doesn't know about right away. He's right? got a bunch of stuff, and it, it takes a long time to come out. But okay, so Wheeler, he for one thing was heartbroken because the love of his youth died, and ran off and joined the Marines. Okay, yeah, it's fine. Uh, as you yeah. do, as you do. He also never contacted any of his friends again, as you also do. Partly yep. because dude's got cancer had had melanoma which he's been like treated with and you mm. don't want the support of friends or to let them know anything that's going on in your life ever when you have cancer to be fair, that's he that's well known also just developed cancer in like the last year right or no also, no no two, two years it's uh something he's only he's, he's known about it for less time than when he joined that he's the had Marines. it but yeah right right, right. just he to ran be clear away before he knew about it right just to be clear he joined the marines and and went to iraq and that's the red herring like st- like backstory for him, because then they introduce his cancer later, and um, you know it, it's kind of it's kind of sad, but uh, yeah, figuring out like what has gone on with him takes even longer than just like finally finding him, and he actually finds them because they're like 
Hey, you should well, come the, meet up with us. And well, yeah, it's us. an eco-emergency. Like, if you, look, if you skip out on an eco-emergency, you're a jackass. Like, <laughs> and th- this is also, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess, okay, I, I'm still having trouble with the time travel aspect of this. In that Gaia felt it necessary to send Linka into the future, but if she had not done that, could she not have just, would, would another wind planeteer not have emerged, or could she not have given the the rings to five new teenagers or whatever like it wasn't that also an option i guess was she just so loyal to linka who she did who the, the fanfic does stress like gaia thinks of these five as like her children like they've they're they're her you know they've they've sworn their whole lives to her and so i understand why she might want to go to heroic efforts to save them but like um it just seems very weird that they've just been going five years with no planeteers at all or anything Especially since we learn later on there is an understudy spirit of the earth ready to set step up into that role who just hasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm just confused. It's not that's not about Wheeler even, but just like he's had the ring, whatever. Look, like I said before, the time travel and like general universe shenanigans are not like, very explicable. I have a whole three pages of questions. Um, okay. But nonetheless, I, I do think it's important to acknowledge that, like, um, with, like, with the whole intention of the Planeteers, it's like, well, the eco-villains were mostly gone. They mostly time-traveled, too. I guess. So you could also say except that. Except for ultimate rigor. Except, yeah. And loot and plunder and Dr. Blight. I don't were know. still around, yeah, I think. Yeah, the time-travel shame. I don't even know. Okay. Okay. Nonetheless, though, so, so Wheeler, we, yes, exactly. So, Wheeler. so with Wheeler, what's what's interesting is it does take a long time for Linka to draw out what's been going on for him, but that's how they develop a lot of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So he saves her in Central Park, and then she's like, "Oh my God, you're here!" And he's like, "We need to go to my mom's house, but I don't remember exactly where she lives." And she, that's like kind of like a what, what the heck for her. So there's a whole shenanigans about getting to his mom's place. But when they do get there, his mom is absolutely delighted to see him, says she hasn't seen him in a year. And a lot of things get revealed after that, Um, both that he joined the Marines shortly after and also that he developed skin cancer. Yeah. And the relationship stuff is well done. Like, it's it's. It's nice that the author doesn't have to work too hard on, like, establishing it, because, like, the chemistry was always there. They just never actually made a step forward. And this is when they actually are and are, like you said, becoming more intimate, Tori. And, Tarin, at the very beginning of this discussion, you mentioned it being very important that they had, like, moved the timeline forward before the time travel. Because this is, like, I don't know, 25-year-old Linka coming back to life and meeting 29-year-old Wheeler or something like that. Yeah. And that's a whole lot better than if it had been teenage Linka coming back to life, meeting adult Wheeler um, and falling into a relationship there. That would have been creepy. This is just time travel BS, which it, is fine. It was it was a problem because I think of her as a teenager and they never say explicitly how long after this series um, this takes place. So I was like, wait a minute. Are, is this author trying to say that Linka's like 19 and, no. and Wheeler's no, twenty nine. It, it yeah, becomes clear, I, though. No, no, yeah, because yeah. only four years have passed since she died, which means she can only be four years younger. And it's Ish, not like right. 
Yeah, okay, fine. But, but they like, don't they don't seem to all be the same age even in the show though, right? So No, like, no, but like their age difference is not that many. Yeah, it's, years, it's not it's not right? they're not that far apart. Like they don't have to be the same age, but they're same ballpark and like Mati's the youngest, but even he's like, you know, he was a probably 19 earlier on. He's like 23 at the very least now or whatever. It kind of depends because like again, there's one point where the author's the first time the author identifies Wheeler's age, there's like something about him being 29, but maybe that was like a joke. I honestly don't know. The second time it's more clear, it's that he's 26. So again, I don't know. Linka can't be, she can maybe be six years younger. 20 versus 26 actually is, I don't know, maybe somewhat problematic. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what ages? I don't know. I the think, ages. Wow. I think my main point is like overall, it's fine, and like it might not have been fine if if one had chosen to like start them off at closer to their canon cartoon ages. Yeah, she's sure. definitely um, not a teenager. End of story. <laughs> and we um another important thing is that we learn his name is Jacob Sloan. I don't know if that's canon, but it reminded me of Johnny Storm, and then I was like, wait a minute, is. <laughs> Is this guy modeled after the Human Torch? I guess that would make uh, sense, but I also don't, you know. Anyway. Yeah, he was based on the famous environmentalist, the Human Torch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, look. Also important is that while they're, you know, having feelings and not summoning Captain Planet, the Earth stops rotating, and that's a problem. I like. <laughs> I mean. Like, it starts becoming dark over large parts of the world and only sunlight over large parts of the world. And um, that's that kicks off kind of the final action-y parts of which many plot threads are introduced and don't matter. Oh, yeah. And so, for example, Dr. Blight and Luton Plunder, who are, I think the author makes clear, the coolest villains out of the eco-villains. Like, they're separated from the others and they decide, like, uh, pretty sure Zarm just betrayed us and is going to wipe out all of humanity. Of course he is. What did you think you were was going to happen when you teamed up with an evil spirit, like evil murderous spirit? Do you think he cares about the survival of humanity? It it felt like a very sudden and inevitable betrayal moment to me. But they're like, yep. oh wait, we don't want humanity to die. We're humanity, and we also want to rule it. So let's go track down the planeteers or planet brats or whatever degrading nickname they're you know using at the time. And yeah. team up with them to try to stop this. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Does this matter? It does not matter. Do they ever do anything relevant? No. But they do eventually meet up with the Planeteers. I will also say that in the conversation where Luton Plunder and Dr. Blight are like deciding on their commercial flight, um, yeah, we should we should we should help them because we're humans too. Like Dr. Blight talks about why the rotation of the earth like stopping is like gonna be like oh it's gonna it's gonna bake us or freeze us and it's like it's gonna f- that would do a lot of really terrible things you're not talking about oh like, yeah that's not not the main problem yeah, i think like, gravitational issues are going to be a problem almost immediately gravitational uh, issues like if you suddenly stop like the rotation then everyone's going to be flying into the walls at 160 miles an hour, you know. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't stop instantly, Tarin. Come on, it's science. Okay, yeah, fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I love villains versus villains. It's like one of my favorite things is when there's a realistic reason for villains to fight back against other villains, just like rigor. Um, but that well, doesn't matter at all. So it doesn't cool. matter at all. 
Here's another thing that doesn't matter. They summon Captain Planet. It takes a while. At first, nothing happens. They're like, ah. Uh... And I thought, uh-oh, is like this, is it like a magical darkness that's stopping them, preventing Do Do Captain Planet? Is Dr. Blight going to have to figure out a way to help their ring summon Captain Planet? No. Captain Planet shows up, but he's super weak and like emaciated. He's been in hibernation for four years. He uses sunlight to recharge and because uh, he's, he's solar powered like Superman, right? And New York is currently under cover of darkness. And so he can't do that. I was like, okay, so is Dr. Blight going to have to figure out a way to recharge Captain Planet? No, not that either. Um, let's see what else happens. Kwame's uh, significant other disappears and no one knows why. Uh, yeah, is that relevant? It's not relevant to anything. It just it's part okay. of the chaos. Yeah, right. And then to top it off, Zarm shows up in kind of like some you know I, I don't know. He kind of feels like a a being of shadow and flame to me. I mean, maybe less flame. But I was like, did he merge with the Balrog? Because the Balrog mm -hmm. wasn't mentioned again. Wait, was that Zarm? I I think that was Zarm, right? Yep. They, There's just they... a shadow that keeps showing up. I didn't think that was Zarm. Is that? Persephone calls it Zarm. So, oh, okay. I missed that part. Okay. Anyway, oh, speaking of, there's also Persephone. Right. Zarm shows up. He's like harassing and or attacking and or trying to destroy them. Persephone's introduced late in the game, who's another spirit who is kind of ready to step up and take the mantle of the, the spirit of Earth. And she's like, oh, Zarm's going to wipe out all life on Earth if I don't do something. But at least I've got a trick up my sleeve. And so the what she does apparently after a dramatic moment where like Wheeler is crushed by a falling building just like Linka did when she was killed you know or was supposed to be killed or whatever but Persephone kind of swoops in and am I correct here sends Linka back in time to when she was supposed to have died and she can like you know escape from the house and not die yep are you correct there I mean, is that the original timeline that this apparently... Linka was pulled from? And there's still a timeline where she died that's going to be totally wiped out by Zarm? Yeah, but like, fucking why? 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 Why pull Linka from her original timeline to pull her into a new timeline where everything if you goes couldn't to actually shit fix and everyone anything. dies? Because, like, actually, I mean, the reality is a lot of things happen. Right. Like, I want to be clear that there is basically like darkness, a perpetual darkness, chaos on Earth, like random weather events. People are huddling together in like destroyed shelters. Sure, character warmth. moments it's, are happening. Yeah, a lot of things happen. Captain Planet's trying to do what he can, even though he's oh, right. do practically they nothing. Do technically summon Captain Planet, but he's so weak he can't do anything. He can't even really stand up. He's he's passing out on the ground. It's a thing. Nonetheless, like the resolution is yeah, Linka getting sent back to the timeline apparently she was supposed to have come from in the first place. Now, this completely contradicts what the author said initially, which was that she, she was would from have... an alternate timeline. Well, no, it doesn't contradict that she was not from an alternate timeline, but it contradicts that the idea that she would have to, like, die. Like, basically, they said she was going to have to die. Well, right? it's not quite what she said. She said, I like, she know. can't stay here. Captain Planet will be able to help you, even though when they call him up, he's like, I don't even know what's been going on. I've been in hibernation for four years. Yeah, it's very confusing. Sorry. Right. The author says, Cap or Gaia says, Captain Planet will help you, but you can't stay here. And it's like, sure. So so she goes back and she saves herself. And so, like, which is kind of what you would expect, I guess, except it means that the ultimate, like, 
consequences of all of what has happened is that Linker remembers a future that doesn't happen and Gaia is replaced by Persephone. Yes, even in this timeline that Linker returns back to, Gaia has disappeared, presumably because she still messed with time. The future Persephone also just did that, I think. But I guess future Persephone is not past Persephone's problem and it's an alternate timeline. Look, time travel is the worst. And unless you are the Back to the Future franchise, it's not good. And uh, let's just try to move past it. Okay. So I, th- I think we should clarify the defining points. So the, yes. the, what the author wanted was to get Lincoln and Wheeler to get together. Mm-hmm. And they did that. Um, and we kind of glossed over that. I do think that was maybe the most important point to the author. It took them a while. Linka was sort of resistant. You know, um, we had to discover Wheeler's skin cancer and like have more empathy for his situation. Like, how much he cared about her and that caused him to go into the military, et cetera, et cetera. And they had moments of intimacy. They even had, um, you know, a, a sex seed, which. The author's kind the of author, like, yeah, she's, she's kind of like, I'll go back and write that later. Well, she said, you can email me if you want the explicit scene, but like it was definitely implied in the text either way. So mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, but yeah, she also like I think in the next chapter went like I'm sorry I haven't written the explicit scene yet. Very fan fiction eh? Well, yeah, she I mean she mentions people asking if she's gonna do that, like fans yeah. contacting her. Because she legit like she made it out to be like email me for the explicit scene, but then the next chapter she was like, Never mind, I don't have it. Anyway, that is totally beside the point. But uh, we can we po- can take from that <laughs> that like Linka's gonna be able to prevent um, or to help uh, him with this cancer, like mm-hmm. she identifies the, the 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 mole on his shoulder, and it's like, yeah, you're gonna be oh. good. We are not going to spare thought to That's the G's future baby or anything like that, and how it will never exist. That's fine. We're just not going to worry about it. It's not a satisfying ending because it fails to pull in the plot threads that in a satisfying way. It's like summoning Captain Planet that didn't really matter. The the villains turning, that didn't really matter. Anything that happened, turns out that didn't really matter because we're going to reset time. Like, basically nothing of it. Like, you know, it it felt like the author kind of writing herself into a quarter and being like, okay, l- how do we fix this? And it's not my favorite part of the story. No. No. Um, yeah, to go back to the original timeline, though, there was that connection between Lincoln and Wheeler, which felt important. And as Tarn pointed out, in the new timeline, knowing about his skin cancer in advance means she can point out the mole. And knowing that she has feelings for him and always and did. Knowing, yeah, but Th- that's, that's basically thing. it. So I actually have a list of questions about the ending of this. Do we have time for such a list? Oh, it's not that long. Okay. okay. But this is my criticism. Great. Okay, let's, let, let's move on to criticism then. Yeah. This will be officially... Before we end on praise, we talk about what we liked least about this fanfic or what we think could have been improved. And Tori's is going to come in the form of a list today. Correct. All right. Here we go. Um, What was the point if Linka was just going to be reset into the original reality? Point of story. I guess she learned something. Would she learn that she loved Wheeler? Was it worth deleting G's family? (laughs) Furthermore, what happens to the whole having to work together with the eco-villains thing? Because that was a thing. Like, yep. they decided to work together with the eco-villains, but it never amounted to anything. It was completely abandoned. Um, 
what happened with the entity that Zarm summoned, the the Balrog, mm-hmm. I guess they merged together, but why was that even important? I don't know. If there are multiple realities, then why is Persephone the god in this one? Mm. Why is Gaia not still there, right? Because Gaia messed with time, oh, I guess. But, like, is Gaia, like, shouldn't there be a different guy in a different reality? Yeah, like, it's not like, like Persephone stepped in role? immediately in the timeline that was the it's main a different one that time we were line, in, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and follow up do the do the gods transcend reality? So, who knows? Um, Captain Planet was weak when he was summoned. Why? He like well, literally he, couldn't he stand say, up. Why, he why says like that? I'll be fine with some sunlight, and then there's, there's just no sunlight. He's there's like, oh, no okay, but great. The, the, but Captain Planet isn't historically fueled on sunlight, right? Like, is is he not? I okay. don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm going to assume the author did because. I mean, yeah. It seems like the only thing that changed between timelines was that Gaia died and Persephone took over. So, what really is the difference? Um, yeah, that's basically it's like it's all yeah. a dream, except yeah. And did Captain Planet die? That's my last question. Oh wait! Oh no no no! At the end, they say there's going to be new planeteers, but why yeah, are there going to be new planeteers? Linka just has that knowledge somehow that like Persephone, as the new spirit of the Earth, is going to create a new team of planeteers, and I mean that makes sense in that like they've they've served their time like. These planeteers, they've, like, done their tours of duty. It also would make sense to hand off those powers to other people. Yeah, but it is just sort of thrown away, right? Like, right, there's, like... there's no reason that necessarily should have been the case. It's not like that follows logically from things that have been established. It's just like, oh, yeah. she knows that's going to happen. It should be clear, like, it, we should clarify that, like, no one else in this new timeline remembers anything that happened in the other timeline other than Linka. So... All of these changes feel like they come out of left field. Yeah. Well, in terms of complaints, Tori, I'm basically with you. Like, I feel like this is one of many fanfics that as something that was written as it went along, it could have used a second pass and it could have been tighter because it didn't need to be as long as it is to get the things done that it got done. But what upset me most was just the ending, like all, the, the failure of some plot threads to matter in the ending was rather frustrating and that was my least favorite thing yeah i would agree i think um aside from the ending my two criticisms so to speak would be specifically the travel chapters like mm. would end up like stretching for multiple you know chapters of just linka just sort of getting a little bit of boring world building and like moving around and it just like there there was an extent to which it's like okay maybe this is like girl with the dragon tattoo where they're like sort of lulling you into a false sense of security before they like hit you but i just found them boring yeah speaking of jrr tolkien i was getting tolkien flashbacks just with how long how much of the story was described as was devoted to people getting themselves from one part of the world to another part of the world yeah Uh, the, the other thing for me is like the like the the horror bad evil level seemed to like like very wildly like at the beginning of the like near the beginning like zarm gets upset with like like hoggish or whatever or his name is for like wanting to dig up a grave and it's like okay and then like stops the rotation of the earth later and it's like 
that's a, that's an extreme example, but some of the villains like seem to worry about like about uh, potentially upsetting a child, and then is, are willing to like kill a bunch of them. And it's just like I don't I don't understand. I understand. It's like they will leave a henchman basically to die without any medical care, but also like they're not they're not that bad people. Sometimes I don't know. Um, they're they're positioned all over the place. It's true. But yeah. But if we are going to end on praise, what were our favorite things about this fanfic, Alternate Destination by Miss Goldie? I really enjoyed a lot of pieces of the writing, Mm -hmm. like a lot of. So this is a 90,000 word fanfic. And as much as I'm picking on the fact that like a lot of the plot threads didn't come together, it was such a fun read, especially like in terms of the interpersonal relationships. I really believed the Linka and Wheeler thing. And furthermore, there's a lot of just like good, lovely pieces of description. Like um, there's this point where uh, apparently Wheeler's mom has been harassed a lot by like people looking for a Wheeler because mm-hmm. he's gone missing, even though he was in the Marines, whatever. But um, <laughs> so when Wheeler and Linka show up to her door, she assumes it's someone looking for him and she comes out wielding a broom and it says like, it's like a really lovely description. It's a really interesting, cool description of her, like uh, wielding the broom against a potential threat. And it says the, it's like the hem of her housecoat fluttered violently. And I was just like, fluttering violently was one of the best images I've ever had in my life. It, there's more than that, but I, I just, yeah, I like the author's descriptions quite a bit. Yeah. Um. I th- yeah. I think some of the scenes, especially like with rigor, I thought was like really strong. And then in in some of the reunion scenes, they just felt extremely satisfying. Like the emotional weight of Linka meeting back up with these people who thought she was dead, and like she's been through hell for a couple of weeks. I just I thought it was very. Those scenes in particular were extremely well done. I'm with you, Taran. I think what I enjoyed most were some various setups where very interesting and compelling things were being done with the characters. You also mentioned that, like, chapter three, with, like, the ruins of Hope Island and Linka hiding and, like, a batch of eco-villains going through commenting on things and, like, the ruins of the of the geocruiser that they use. And, like, it's all it was all very, I don't know, it makes me think of the... the f- ghost of christmas future scene in christmas in what do you call it christmas carol like it had that kind of resonance and um and similarly yeah some of those other concepts like an aged gaia who's like kind of just soldiering forward on grim willpower until she can deliver a message or even the emaciated captain planet even though i kind of wish captain planet had been able to do anything in this captain planet story just kind of the image of him and also the the cocky Captain Planet personality when he doesn't actually have any power. He doesn't he doesn't ever stop trying to do things. He's like still using like some super senses to sense things that are going on. He's still like trying to get caught up with like these people who are his friend summoners. Like he's a he's a weird entity. Um but just like some of those times when some of those scenes and concepts I think were really good and it's just they were they jump out in a lot of writing that kind of became more of an undifferentiated mass for a lot of it. 
like not and they weren't necessarily used their full potential all the time but there's really memorable cool stuff in here and i also think if i were a captain planet fan like the author was i would probably appreciate the character work more because the character work is clearly good it's just i personally am not invested in the characters enough for that to be my highlight that's weird though like this kind of made me invested in the characters (laughs) like i i liked it um and I think even 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 in the scenes where the the writing isn't necessarily as strong or as poignant, like the characterizations are at least for the the planeteers are so consistent that you mm. like it really like allows for the bigger set pieces, so to speak, to really like be impactful. So, <laughs> and uh, it makes me want to watch Captain Planet again, which is always my. Uh, yeah. My barometer for whether or not it's, it's, I like mm-hmm. the fix. Oh, I, I also, I used a lot of words there, but I should have just said my favorite thing is Buff Mati also. <laughs> like, I kind of yeah. love it. I know, right? But like, I think that's just, sorry, I know that was like a good and finishing joke and mm-hmm. I'm totally jumping on it, but it is indicative of like how the author does characterization while I'm story. <laughs> All right. Well, that's where we've got to close it up. But thanks to the author, as always, for continuing to write fan fiction, but still leaving up your like 20 year old stuff. I mean, 18 year old in this case, but 17 years old, like almost old enough to uh, vote, but not yet drink fanfic. (laughs) I always appreciate when authors are like, no, that can stay. If people want to read it, they can still read it because I'm sure the author probably is a stronger writer after 17 years more of writing than they were when they wrote this. Gosh, I can't wait until I can go to bars with fanfic. I mean, we've read fanfiction older than us. That's true. <laughs> y'all, all y'all fanfic gotta hang out with me. Let's we've read fanfiction that's so old that it can't drink because it was prohibition. <laughs> that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Oh, well, we'll have so. to have you on for something older, Taryn. Sounds I'll good. try to find a good Jane Austen one. <laughs> This was episode 143 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Alternate Destination by Miss Goldie, a Captain Planet fanfic from 2006. You can find it on fanfiction.net, you know, that website where you find the fanfiction. And we will provide a link there in our show notes as well. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. I'm sorry it is not quite as catchy as the Captain Planet theme song. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album, and I'm pretty sure the outro song to Captain Planet was just the Captain Planet theme song again. That's how things went in old cartoons, right? Well, as for ours, you can find the album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by Della Rose, which brings us up to four, which is still not enough to summon Captain Planet. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Leaving comments or reviews on your podcast service is also greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Taran. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Earth. Yeah, I said Earth. I said Earth. Oh, you did? Yeah, I said three Earth life forms. I I got it. Oh, shoot. Wind. Three wind life forms. Three fire life forms. Three fire life forms.
fire. Why? Y'all don't know the order of this? Come on. Uh, Mastodon, Pterodactyl. I'm gonna have to revise this for continuity, guys. Red source. Earth, wind, fire, water, heart. Come on. Come on. We could have done this. Mastodon, Pterodactyl, Triceratops, Sabertooth Tiger, Tyrannosaurus, Dragon. Wait, Dragon Sword. Does he do that first? Also, Tori, it's Earth, Water, Fire, Wind, Heart. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. Stop trying to gaslight me. Okay, but did Dragon Sword come before or after Mastodon?